Well, this morning, we are continuing our sermon series called Trust the Process. The process is becoming more like Christ, and it is a process. It takes time, and it takes intentional effort over time. Where we've been, <clears throat> oftentimes, this process starts in trials and tribulations, so we started there. It, uh, also, last week, we talked about what the, the end is. So if you check us out, we started at the very beginning on June 5th. We started at the very end on June 12th. And today, we're going to go back in the middle and talk about the process in this thing called traveling trees. And finally, I will bring it to completion. This is where I pause for much rejoicing. <sighs> caffeine. Caffeine. Gotta have caffeine. All right, so this morning, we are going to go straight to Scripture that's uh, the good news. I'm just going to get right to it. But the bad news is there's a pop quiz right after the, the scripture. So let's start on uh, Psalm 1. And we are going to read this uh, whole psalm, which is only six verses long. But the, the cool thing, and the reason I'm so excited about today's sermon is it shows the thread. You know the thread I'm talking about? Because we're talking about psalms, which is Old Testament. We're going to refer back to the words of Paul, which is New Testament. And then we're going to rope back in and include the words of Jesus Christ himself so that you see that this common thread isn't just a disjointed bunch of books. It's a common thread that says, I am a God who calls my people to be like my son, to live in the Holy Spirit so that the world may know who I am. That's this kind of day. That's what excites me. Anytime I get a bookmark that's in three different places, including the Old and New Testament, I dance. I mean, I'm happy. That's such a or nerd thing, but it just makes me, makes my heart sing, so I'm excited for today. Let's read Psalm 1 to start with. It says this, Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord, and meditate on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will be destroyed. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. The thing that always fascinates me about this is uh, you see common threads. And in today's text you see this analogy of a tree that bears fruit. Does that sound familiar from last week? If you missed last week, you can always go back on the website or the YouTube channel or the Facebook page and catch Fruit Check, because that's where we started talking about it. And I don't think it's any mistake that Paul looks back to the Psalms and the analogies used there to pull it back in, because that's the thread that runs through this whole thing. So I put up a, a quiz on Facebook, uh, thanks to both of you that answered it. Uh, <laughs> One day, one day. All right, so here was the quiz. Uh, and and uh, the reason I do this is this is a great conversation starter. If you, you know, we did that series a while back, like I don't really know how to invite people to church. I don't really know how to talk to Jesus. I'm going to give you a technique today, and here it is. I'm going to invite you to have people read Psalm 1 and then ask them this question. Which one of these four things would you most like to have as a God follower? So the first one is to be planted by a stream of water. The second one is to yield fruit in season. The third one is to have leaves that do not wither, and the fourth one is to prosper in all you do. So think about, for just a minute, I'm going to give you a second to think, which one of those four sound most appealing to you? Lock in your answer. I meant 
have to download the Jeopardy theme on my phone so I could play it, but then I realized I'm streaming and that would be weird, so I didn't. You want me to hum? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so maybe you have an idea, and here's why this is so fascinating to me. I suspect that if people are not familiar with Jesus, and we ask any North American which one of these sounds most uh, desirous, is that a word? They want most? It's to prosper in all we do. Does that not sound like a superpower? Here's the problem, though. What does the psalmist mean by prospering in all they do? Because in North America, we tend to think of prosperity. We tend to think of the prosperity gospel. But if you look at the lives of the people who follow Jesus most closely, I would not, uh, I would not say that their lives were the most physically prosperous. At no point does Jesus say, Come, follow me, I will make you fishers of men, and I will give you a suite on the southern Mediterranean with a three-and-a-half-camel garage. <laughs> that just doesn't happen, right? In fact, if you look at the physical lives of most of the disciples, they were poor in our standards. They didn't have a lot. You wouldn't call them prosperous. So what is this prosperity? psalmist talks about. And that's where we start digging into the text. If you want to follow along, you can just park it on Psalm 1. We're going to pick this thing apart like a surgeon. So whatever they do prospers. If you are working for an organization, if you work for a company or a school, or you belong to an organization, how does that organization measure its prosperity or its success? Any ideas? Bottom line, usually it's money. Okay, in this case, we already know it's not money because we talked about the disciples. So here's the question. How would the church of Jesus Christ measure prosperity or success? Numbers, disciples. Ah, you, guys, you guys are way ahead, right? So here's the thing. You want to look at the mission of the organization to determine if you're being successful and what is the mission of the church. Make disciples of all the nations. You guys are good, right? Nothing else matters. Nothing else defines prosperity. How are we doing at making disciples? That's what it means to be prosperous. Now, let me go back and ask in that same question when you had this lunch conversation with your friend. How are we doing in making disciples of all the nations? Not too good. I had this conversation the other day, and someone was... Uh, I won't say bragging, but making it known that they had a good evangelistic outreach. And, and uh, the question came up, so Bill, uh, how many people have you saved? And I said, I have saved zero, because my name is not Jesus. And I think that's important to remember. But I'm telling thousands of people about him right there. And so can you. And, and you're going to do it far better than I can do it. But that's what it means to prosper. So we have to understand the mission when we want that prosperity, that's what we're in. I want to be good at making disciples of all the nations, and that is a good goal to have. But now I can already see the wheels turning. And Bill, I don't have time or energy for this making disciples thing. Like you said, it's complicated, it's sticky, it's messy. I get it. So today, we're going to look at two of the main obstacles. I don't have time, and I don't have energy for this. And you're going to hate me by the end of the day because I'm going to take away the two biggest excuses you have to not make disciples. And I'm going to run out of here before the service finishes and you can't find me. <laughs> I think I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> so it all goes down to time and energy. These are the two main things that we need to attack. And the psalmist is going to do it for us. Check this out. Those who are like those streams planted by the, the, the trees, planted by the streams, 
delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. I don't have time for this. Delight in the law of the Lord. Have, have you ever met someone that delights in something? We don't say it that way very often, but let me give you one example. Have you ever had that friend that just delights in this new diet that they found? And what do they do with that new diet? Well, they, they're all on board. They're reading everything they can. They're watching everything they can. In fact, they're making recommendations to you about what you should eat, and they're telling you about this diet and how wonderful it is, and if you would just do this, you would feel so much better. How many people have had a person like that in their life? How many people hate their guts? <laughs> this is the way it works. They become apostles of a lifestyle. They delight in the law of the diet. How much more so should we delight in the law of the Lord? Because when we live inside the law of the Lord and we do it the right way, life is good. That's where fruit gets produced. That's where you experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all those things we talked about last week. That's a lifestyle. So it's not about the time. It's about the way that I am. It's who I become, not what I do. You see the difference? So we're starting to chip away the time, but here's, here's a nail in the coffin when it comes to time. Meditate on the law day and night. Now I know that none of you have time to read this like incense and chant monk-like songs all day long, 24-7, right? So nobody has time for that. I get that. But nobody's asking you to do that. Think about one of the famous biblical characters, Joshua, as he was preparing to take over the promised land. You'll find this exact wording, in fact, in his command, God's command to Joshua, is meditate on this book day and night so that you may not stray to the left or the right, so that you will be successful in all you do. That's in so do you think Joshua sat around 24-7 with incense and sang monk-like songs? No, man, the man had business. He had to conquer the promised land. He was a busy man. And yet, he managed to meditate on this day and night. How does that work? Well, fortunately, we have the advantage of living in this modern time where we have a great analogy. How many people have a smartphone or a computer? Excellent. Finally, uh, an analogy that will work. So when you get up in the morning, let's say you turn on that laptop, what's the very first thing that happens? First thing that happens is it starts to spin up and the operating system begins to run. Then, after it's warmed up, you select whatever program you want. It goes, you're writing a letter, you're making a presentation, you're surfing the internet, whatever it is that you're doing. But all the while, that operating system is running underneath. How many of you stop to think about that operating system? Me neither. What if we were intentionable? Uh, intentionable? What if we were, I, I just made up a George W. Bush dictionary term. <laughs> what if we were intentional about, about meditating on this law of day and night and made that a part of our operating system? What if the first thing in the morning when we woke up, we clicked on that operating system and it began to run? Let me tell you what would happen. Here's the beauty of that kind of operating system. It will not run any program that's not designed to run on it. And it will run those that are designed to run on it. Think about the spiritual ramifications of that. If I'm operating as an operating system under God's law, day and night, there's no program that's going to run on me that's not designed to run in and through me. Now, none of us are perfect, unless your name happens to be Jesus Christ. And as I look at you, I don't recognize any of you in that capacity, right? We're all human. And so occasionally we'll get the odd virus that pops in. 
that we have this cool program called an iris scan. And it lets us know when things are wrong. And as we are on this operating system and things get flagged, we go, ooh, that's that thing called sin. And then we have this really cool virus cleaning software called forgiveness. So all we have to do is identify that and take it to the virus cleaner and it goes away and we're back to operating as normal. Is there ever a time that when your computer is on, that operating system is not running? No. Well, unless you get the error message, I guess, technically. But every analogy breaks down, right? So there, that operating system mentality is what we should be taking into this life of Christ. Now, there are things that we can do. We can put on our calendar. We can do certain things. But understand that this thing called Christ's likeness is a lifestyle. It's not a to-do list. It's a way that we are. It's who we become as we do things day to day. So let that be your operating system, and you'll always have time, because no matter what you're doing, you're doing it in a way that honors Christ. So we've destroyed the time equation. You don't have time? Yeah. Are you breathing? You have time. All right, next one. We're going to look at the end result, which is the fruit that we want, and we're going to backtrack. Because remember the quiz? Which one of these do you want most? We're going to start working through the quiz and see which one we want most. So let's start with leaves. Back in that fifth grade science class, who remembers photosynthesis? Excellent. So the leaf is an amazing thing. It's probably the most energy efficient thing ever because what a leaf does is it throws itself out and it looks for the sun and it orients itself and it absorbs energy from the sun to create photosynthesis. And not only does it do that, this sound, I sound like I'm selling kitchen knives. But if you act now, there's a second thing. And that is, it absorbs carbon dioxide, right? The stuff that we breathe out, that we think is waste, it takes and recycles. And between the sunlight and the carbon dioxide, it creates the thing that feeds the tree. Now, here's my favorite question. To what end? To produce fruit. No leaf, no fruit. That's how it works. But notice the psalmist doesn't just say leaf. It says leaf that does not wither. So sometimes we go through the motions, we kind of toss a leaf out haphazardly. We get distracted. I know I'm supposed to look that way, but this looks so much more interesting. Have you ever had a plant that you uh, pointed towards a window, like on a kitchen table or something like that, and then you rotate the plant 90 degrees? You ever see it? So everything is oriented this way, and then you rotate the plant. What happens when you come back the next day? This is so cool. Is it not? I wish we would do that sometimes. I wish we had that self-correcting mechanism that would always bring us back to where we're supposed to be. But we're willful people, are we not? Stubborn, stiff-necked. And so we refuse. I'm here. This is where I saw God last. I'm going to wait until God moves again. What are you doing over there, God? So we miss it sometimes because we fail to orient ourselves. Because we throw it out haphazardly. Or perhaps we haven't nourished it enough and it's withering on its own. It's not going to produce that energy that we need. So here's the, the second thing you do. After you start the operating system in the morning, the second thing is you do, you, you orient your leaves toward the sun. S-O-N, sun. Yeah, see what I did there? Yeah. I've got, I got to claim it when I can. So we orient ourselves to the sun. And if God moves throughout the day or God moves in our lives, we continue to reorient so that we're always facing that sun. And here's the cool thing that starts to happen. All the waste, what the world calls waste, gets recycled. All the energy from that sun and photosynthesis courses through our veins and 
We're just saying we're not doing any work. We're just ushering everything along. I'm a facilitator. I'm not a worker at that point. Does that mean you, can, you don't have to do anything? No, we still live in the physical world. We have to keep our head in the clouds, but our feet on the ground. We still have to do things. But the energy that is required for this is all supplied for us. We just have to harness it properly. So leaves that do not wither. Yields fruit in season. Now, we already talked about fruit, but I wanted to talk about in season because it's easy to, to skip over this point. There will be times in your life where you don't see any fruit. There will be times when, you, for the life of you, you cannot find any fruit on your limbs. Does that mean you're washed up and done? No. It just means that maybe you're going through a season right now. And this is why church, the body of Christ, is so important. Because if I'm going through that, maybe it is your season to produce fruit. And so as we look at the body of us, there's always fruit available because someone is in dormancy, someone is producing, and sometimes you just need to take a break. Said no pastor ever, right? But I'm saying it to you, and it's called a Sabbath. It's a thing. It's actually one of the commandments. It's the only commandment, get this, that starts with the word remember. Think about the importance of that. Out of ten commandments, only one of them starts with the word remember the Sabbath. Did God think we would forget the other nine? I mean, what is it with Sabbath? Sabbath is that time. It's not that the tree's not doing anything. It's always about producing the next batch of fruit. So there will be cycles in our lives. And if it's my season not to have fruit, and it's your season to have fruit, then we need to come alongside each other and help each other out so that there's always fruit available for our community. That's the way this thing works. That's why worship is so big on things like community group and community and coming together so that we can watch out for one another that if you feel like you're the person that always has to be on, you will be burned out and drained because you're going to try to do that yourself even when it's not your season. And it's not going to be good for you or the community. On the other hand, if you're that person that's like, well, I'll produce just enough fruit for me. i got news for you. God calls us to more. Not only that, God equips us for more. Don't settle for just enough. God calls us to an abundant life, so let's experience that together. So, in season, let it rip. Next one, planted by streams of water. Oh, this is interesting. Notice the psalmist doesn't just say planted by water. Uh, the psalmist doesn't say, and the tree is regu regularly watered. He says streams of water. Now think about this for a minute. A stream has a connotation to it, and that is that there is an endless supply of water. And not only that, but it's clean water. One of the, the most valuable lessons I've learned from Uncle Sam's Air Force Survival School training is if you're looking for water in the wilderness, you better get it from a source that's running. Don't get it from a source that's stagnant. If you ever have to do this before you drink, that's bad, right? You want the stream. This is called lively water or living water. Does this ring a bell? So this living water is more pure. It doesn't have the impurities. They don't build up. It's flushed regularly. So not only are you getting an endless stream, you're getting an endless pure stream. Now, you may be thinking, Bill, you're really reaching there. I, I don't see how this all connects. I get, I get, so Paul borrowed the fruit thing. I don't get this, this living water thing and how this all connects. Well, I'm going to call my first witness to the stand, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself in John chapter 7 verse 38 and 30, uh, 37 and 38 says this 
He's at a festival. This is going to sound familiar to you, but I want you to make this connection for yourself. On that last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, get this, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Those who were later to receive, that's us. The living water that he promised, that's the Holy Spirit. It's here. It's available. It's right now. What are we waiting for? So streams of living water. And if you ask me of all those four things in that quiz, which one would you pick, Phil? I'm not saying you're wrong if you picked another one. I mean, let me put your mind at ease, but here's what I would pick. I would pick streams of living water because this makes everything else possible. You can be chopped to your knees, but if you are planted by a stream of living water, you can reconstitute. God can reconstitute in you. If there's no water, there's no leaf. If there's no leaf, there's no fruit. If there's no fruit, there's no joy. You get the picture? This is everything to me. Streams of living water. But here's the problem, and maybe you can relate. I tend to travel. I'm a traveling tree. Now, if you're a tree and you're planted by a stream, you don't have a choice. That's where you're planted. That's where you grow or die. doesn't matter. But you can't choose to go somewhere else. I can. I am a traveling tree. And when I look at that water that's just over the hill and looks really good, I might uproot myself and go start tapping into that thing. Now, what I don't know is that maybe somewhere upstream there's a toxic spill and everything that I'm sucking in is toxic because it's not what God created me for and it's not what God wants for me. But nonetheless, I've stuck my root in there and I'm sucking that in because the world tells me this is success. This is prosperity. The other thing I might do is, because of my prior hubris, I might say, you know what, I don't need that stream of living water stuff. I'm a strong-willed individual. I can do this on my own. I'm just going to uproot myself in that stream of water. I'm going to go right over here to this well that I dug, the well of Bill, and this is where I'm getting my nourishment. But what's the problem with stagnant water? It's stagnant, right? And it's limited. So at some point, the well of Bill is going to run dry, and who am I going to rely on then? There are things in this world, folks, that if you don't have a deep source to tap into, it will run you flat over. On the other hand, if you have a stream of living water, there is nothing that can beat you. But this is our decision. This is what we have to decide. So when it comes to time and energy, understand this. Jesus has all the time in eternity. There is no time with Jesus. If you look at your to-do list, all the things on there are temporary. They will pass, except the things that we do for Christ. Those will live on to eternity. So tell me, when it comes to investment of your time, what's the best return on that investment? Things that are temporary or things that are eternal? I know my answer to that. When it comes to energy, I don't have it. I get it. I don't either. But I know a system that leaves that don't wither and running living water that runs in, in, up and through the roots and does the work for me if I will let it, if I will facilitate it. I'm so sorry I've destroyed the two major objections, time and energy, but let me offer this. Here's what this all makes possible. Maybe today it is the day. If we have wandered, if we have gone to our own well or we have dipped our toe in that stream that looked better at the beginning than it does now, 
here's an invitation. Come home. Leave whatever that was. Come back to the source. Come back to the living water. Because see, here's the cruelest thing of all. This is where this all started, folks. It was a tree planted by a stream of water called the Garden of Eden. See, God is not moving us forward into something that is unknown. God is bringing us back to what he desired for us all along. A place that we can live in paradise in his presence with each other. Let's not be traveling trees. Let's be trees that are planted by a stream of water who bear fruit in their season. And that fruit Thank you for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, which then allows the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the free gift of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for all of us who have strayed or struggled, who draw from other sources, other wells, other streams, that you would remind us of what is possible as we dip our toes in the stream of living water. Help us to never take that for granted, God. Help us to be intentional about putting out our leaves each morning, orienting ourselves to where you are, where you're moving to see you clearly enough that we can do that. God, help us to take in that living water and live and breathe and move through it as you live and breathe and move through us. God, help us to produce the fruit not of our own effort and not for our own credit, but so that the world might be a better place that understands what is possible with life in you. God, let our witness, let those that we talk to see first the fruit attracted to that. The most winsome and attractive evangelism I can imagine is a tree laden with the fruit of the Spirit. God, help us to be that. Help us to make you famous.